Imagine you have a pool and must maintain a certain water level for it to be safe for swimming. The water level rises when it rains, but drops when the weather is sunny and the water evaporates. One day, it is particularly sunny and the water evaporates to the point where the water level is dangerously low and you are not able to safely swim. The water level is your blood glucose level, the rain is glucagon, and the sun is insulin. Today, our patient has hypoglycemia, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled, How Low Can You Go? An Approach to Hypoglycemia. Time for a minute physiology. Hypoglycemia is defined by the development of symptoms associated with a low plasma glucose level, which resolve following administration of carbohydrates. The body has extensive counter-regulatory mechanisms in place to prevent and correct hypoglycemia, which involve complex neurohormonal signals. In response to low blood glucose, insulin production by pancreatic beta cells is decreased, thus reducing the amount of glucose entering cells and causing blood glucose levels to rise. Low insulin levels signal to the liver to increase glycogenolysis and gluconeogenesis, which also raises blood glucose. Moreover, the counter-regulatory hormone glucagon is secreted by pancreatic alpha cells which increases hepatic glycogenolysis and glucogenesis as well. If there is persistent hypoglycemia despite these measures, then epinephrine will be secreted by the adrenal medulla to further counteract hypoglycemia. In prolonged states of hypoglycemia, further counter-regulatory hormones such as cortisol and growth hormone are secreted. Hypoglycemia can occur due to a variety of reasons, including insufficiencies in the effect of counter-regulatory hormones, increased endogenous insulin production or exogenous insulin administration, defective hepatic glucose production, or inadequate hepatic stores of glycogen. Hypoglycemia is a potentially life-threatening state, occurring most frequently in patients with type 1 diabetes followed by type 2 diabetes on insulin, and in rare cases, patients without diabetes. Severe, recurrent hypoglycemia is associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular and all-cause mortality, cognitive impairment, falls, and fractures. Now that we've discussed the basic physiology, let's talk about an approach to hypoglycemia. Your first step in any patient encounter is to determine whether the patient is stable or unstable by assessing their vitals, ABCs, and Glasgow Coma Scale, or GCS. When you encounter a patient with altered level of consciousness, never forget to check a point-of-care glucose as hypoglycemia may be the culprit. As mentioned, Hypoglycemia is defined by 1. A low blood glucose level, less than 4 millimoles per liter for patients with diabetes treated with insulin, 
or an insulin secretagogue, and less than 3 millimoles per liter for other patients. Two, the development of neurogenic or neuroglycopenic symptoms. And three, symptoms that improve with administration of carbohydrates. This is known as Whipple's triad. Neurogenic, also known as autonomic, symptoms are caused by sympathetic stimulation and include tremors, palpitations, diaphoresis, anxiety, hunger, nausea, and paresthesias. Neuroglycopenic symptoms are caused by a glucose deficit in the central nervous system and include confusion, weakness, vision changes, headache, and seizure. The severity of hypoglycemia is determined by clinical manifestations. Mild hypoglycemia involves only neurogenic symptoms, and the individual is able to self-treat. Moderate occurs when both neurogenic and neuroglycopenic symptoms are present, and the individual is still able to self-treat. Severe hypoglycemia requires the assistance of another person, and the blood glucose level is typically less than 2.8 millimoles per liter. Of note, signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia may be absent in cases of frequent hypoglycemia, a condition known as hypoglycemia unawareness. There are several potential causes of hypoglycemia. Firstly, drugs should be ruled out, such as insulin, sulfonylureas, meglitinides, alcohol, quinine, certain fluoroquinolones, and beta blockers. The approach to hypoglycemia can then be divided into patients who are seemingly well versus unwell. If the patient appears well, then causes can include insulin autoimmunity or pancreatic beta cell disorders, such as insulinoma, non-insulinoma, pancreatogenesis hypoglycemia syndrome, or bariatric surgery-associated hypoglycemia. If the patient appears unwell, then hypoglycemia may be due to critical illness, such as sepsis, renal or liver failure, or hormone deficiencies such as adrenal insufficiency, severe hypothyroidism, or growth hormone deficiency. It is important that the workup and management of hypoglycemia occurs simultaneously, so as not to delay treatment for the patient. When hypoglycemia is suspected, the ideal test is a venous glucose level. However, if this test is not available, point-of-clear glucose testing should be done, and treatment should be initiated in the case of severe hypoglycemia. The patient's history, including the nature and timing of symptoms, specifically in relation to meals, underlying medical conditions, and medications should be reviewed. If the patient has diabetes and is on pharmacologic agents known to cause hypoglycemia, such as insulin or insulin secretagogues, these medications are the most likely culprits, and no further workup is warranted in most cases. In other cases, it is important to confirm hypoglycemia on a venous sample, as capillary samples are less accurate in and near the hypoglycemia range. If there is no clear cause for the hypoglycemic event, then plasma glucose, insulin, proinsulin, C-peptide, beta-hydroxybutyrate, and a screen for sulfonylureas and meglitinides should be done during the episode. If testing cannot be performed during a spontaneous episode of hypoglycemia, 
Other options for diagnosis include a 72-hour fast or mixed meal tolerance test to recreate the circumstances in which hypoglycemia may occur. In a normal individual, plasma insulin, proinsulin, and C-peptide should be undetectable and beta-hydroxybutyrate should be elevated in hypoglycemia. If plasma insulin is elevated, but C-peptide, proinsulin, and beta-hydroxybutyrate are low, this indicates exogenous insulin administration. If insulin, proinsulin, and C-peptide are inappropriately normal or elevated, and beta-hydroxybutyrate is low, this indicates endogenous hyperinsulinism, which may represent an insulinoma, insulin autoimmunity, non-insulinoma pancreatogenesis hypoglycemia syndrome, post-bariatric surgery, or the use of sulfonylureas. Insulin antibodies can be measured to diagnose insulin autoimmunity. If an insulinoma is suspected, the next step is a CT or MR pancreas. If these investigations are negative, but an insulinoma is still suspected, then endoscopic ultrasound or exploratory laparotomy may be considered. Depending on clinical suspicion, other testing such as 8-AM cortisol, ACTH, TSH, free T4, liver enzymes, and creatinine may also be performed. Now, on to the treatment. The goal of hypoglycemia treatment is to raise blood glucose promptly and safely to reduce the risk of injury and relieve symptoms. Patients with diabetes with mild to moderate hypoglycemia should take 15 grams of carbohydrates to start, preferably as dextrose tablets. Blood glucose should be retested in 15 minutes and treated with another 15 grams of carbohydrates if the blood glucose remains low. This is known as the 15-15 rule. In severe hypoglycemia, if the patient is conscious, they should initially be treated with 20 grams of oral carbohydrates. Then the 15-15 rule can be used. However, if the patient is unconscious and has IV access, 20 to 50 ml of D50W, which equates to 10 to 25 grams of glucose, should be administered intravenously over one to three minutes. If the patient is unconscious without IV access, then 1 mg of glucagon should be given intramuscularly or intranasally. If there is no improvement, another dose of glucagon can be given after 10 minutes. If sulfonylurea excess is likely, specific treatment with octyretide may be considered. Once the initial hypoglycemia is reversed, the patient should have a meal or snack with complex carbohydrates to prevent repeated episodes. However, it is important to avoid overtreatment, and this can lead to rebound hyperglycemia. The prevention of hypoglycemia is safer and more effective than to treat it after it occurs. Methods to prevent hypoglycemia in high-risk patients with diabetes include avoidance of pharmacotherapies associated with increased risk of hypoglycemia, frequent blood glucose monitoring, and less stringent glycemic targets. Patients at risk of hypoglycemia should be counseled to always carry a source of fast-acting carbohydrates with them, wear a medic alert bracelet stating that they have diabetes, and check their blood glucose prior to driving or operating machinery. 
In patients without diabetes, treatment of hypoglycemia will depend on the underlying cause. For example, if they have an insulinoma, surgery is the primary treatment and medical therapies such as diazoxide or arcturotide may also be used. Let's finish with our medicine minute. Did you know that Whipple's triad is named after an American surgeon, Alan Whipple? In 1935, he described Whipple's triad with the aim of establishing criteria for exploratory pancreatic surgery to investigate for insulinomas. Over the past century, the use of Whipple's triad has evolved and is now used by endocrinologists to diagnose true hypoglycemia, which may be, but not necessarily caused, by an insulinoma. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled, How Low Can You Go? An Approach to Hypoglycemia. This episode was written by Dr. Isabel Shamsudin, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Tayeb Khan, endocrinology, and Dr. Syra Zafar, general internal medicine. The Internetwork series was created by Alison Lai and co-developed by Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos. This episode was recorded by Zara Morali and produced by Dr. Margaret Sun. Music by Laxman's Vantha Mohan. Please check out our website for an associated infographic. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.